Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. makes Christianity different from every other belief system in the world? Well, there are many differences, really, but there is one major difference, and it's grace. Yes, the concept of God's unmerited favor towards the undeserving is something that is wonderfully unique to the Christian message, the gospel of the grace of God. God wants to give us his wonderful gift, the gift of God as eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he asks nothing of us but to be honest about our sins and our need and to trust his provision. This is a wonderful fact, my friend, and one that we hope will draw you to our message today. It's all about the power of grace, the power to convict, the power to attract, and the power to miraculously change lives. Will your life become one of those that are changed forever? Paul has written this letter to the various believers in Rome, and this is what he says in verse 15 of Romans chapter 1. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3, Paul is writing again. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain of this present, but some are fallen asleep. And you'll notice in verse number one, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. One final reading, almost at the end of our Bibles, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 17. This time it's Peter that's writing, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? I was at the Toronto airport going through customs. I was heading for a series of meetings in Philadelphia. So I was waiting my turn to talk to a customs official. And anyone that's been there will realize or remember that uh, there are many, many different wickets with various agents. Of course, you're standing there and you're not sure if it's going to be over here, over here, or whatever the case. So I was waiting my turn and... As I made my way to that agent, she said, where are you going? I said, Philadelphia. She says, uh, why are you going? I said, well, I said, uh, I'm involved in church work. She said, what will you be doing? I said, I'm going to be helping in a series of gospel meetings. She said, what will you be preaching? I said, ma'am, we'll be preaching from the Bible. She says, what verses will you be using? And I thought to myself, boy, this is getting complicated. So I says, well, we'll be uh, using common verses that people will recognize, like John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and I quoted that verse. She said, what else will you tell them? And by this time, I was beginning to wonder. But I thought to myself, she's asking, I'm going to tell her. And so I said, ma'am, the gospel is good news concerning our great need of salvation and what God has done to meet that need. And I said, we will be telling people that they need to be born again, that they can be saved, that Christ is the only Savior of sinners. And she says, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. She said, I heard the gospel a little while ago, and, and it was the greatest message I ever heard. And it was the greatest moment in my life. When I came to know Christ, she said, God bless you. I thought, wow, thank you very much. We forgot about the visa and stamping the passport. We had another talk for about 10 minutes. And just before I left, she said, uh, one more thing. She said, would you pray for me? I said, I will pray for you, but I want to ask you a request. Will you pray for me? She said, I certainly will. And away I went. I thought to myself, isn't that tremendous? That there was a dear woman in the city of Toronto, and one day she heard the gospel of the grace of God. You know, that's exactly what we're preaching tonight. There could not be a greater message. There's no better good news. This is a message of good news, a message of wonderful hope, a message of confident assurance, a message of mighty deliverance. And tonight we have read and we've been hearing of this tremendous message called the gospel. We're glad you're here. We have read concerning the gospel of the grace of God. And tonight I would just like to focus for you three mighty truths that involve the gospel of God. This is not our message. This is not a message that just kind of comes from this building. The believers that meet here. This is not a message that comes from us. This is a message that comes from heaven. This is a message that comes from the very heart and purpose of God. The very source of the gospel is not Toronto or Ottawa or Vancouver or New York or Paris. The source of this message is heaven itself. There's something else about this tremendous message. The scope, the scope of the message is worldwide. There's not an individual that God is not interested in tonight. You might wonder, is this really for me? Would there be a God that's interested in me personally? Ah, my dear friend tonight, you are the object of heaven's interest. You are on heaven's screen. God has you in focus. He knows your name because the scope of this vast message is the world itself. Regardless of where the gospel is preached tonight, whether it's Russia or Japan or Chile or Canada, every individual is in view because the scope of the gospel is the entire world. The strength of this message is an eternal salvation. It has a strength to it, it has a power to it. When a person is saved, God keeps them. God gives them everlasting life. You could leave this meeting knowing I have everlasting life. I will never perish. If we had to kind of preach a conditional salvation, a salvation you could only have as long as you hold on to it with both hands, as long as you work very hard at it. I wouldn't bother to preach that message because I couldn't hold on enough. Salvation is God's work for the individual. Salvation is what God has done for guilty sinners. And when he gives them God's salvation, he gives them everlasting life. And tonight I'm so thankful that I'm not trying to hold on to God, that God has saved me and God is keeping me with an eternal salvation. Ah, but there was a sacrifice involved for this wonderful salvation. The cost was high, 
It involved a cross. It involved a savior. It involved precious blood. It involved the sacrifice of the tree. And tonight, the gospel concerns the Lord Jesus and what he accomplished and what he suffered at a place called Calvary. Could I just add one more thing? Because the satisfaction of the gospel changes lives. It's a personal reality. I'm looking at an audience here tonight, and no, we are far from perfect. We are feeble, failing, sinners, saved by grace. But oh, we have found satisfaction and we have found peace in the man that loved us and gave himself for us. And so this message is no small message. This is not an optional thing. My friend, this message is your greatest need. It's heaven's only message with regard to salvation. And tonight, we count it a privilege to have you in our audience. I want to give you three facts tonight concerning the gospel of the grace of God. Number one, the gospel involves a power to experience. That's what Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. There is a power tonight to experience, and you could experience that life-changing, eternity-altering power personally tonight. Secondly, there is a person to embrace, a person to receive and accept. It's none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have read the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel. Paul, what is it? Ah, the gospel is how Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised again from the dead. He was seen of many. And tonight he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of everyone receiving him. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And tonight there is a person that's at the very focus of this message. Could I ask you tonight personally, have you ever received him as your savior? Do you know him as your personal savior? Or is he just a name? Maybe he's just someone that you mention in your prayers. Maybe on a Sunday as you go through your various religious duties, you'll mention and sing about Jesus, but he means nothing to you personally. I have to confess that that's exactly my experience for almost 22 years. Knew all about him, but he meant nothing to me personally. Ah, but there came a moment when I received him, when I trusted him, when he became my savior, my sin bearer. And tonight there is a person to embrace. There's one more truth that we have read in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter said, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? What will the ultimate destination of people, what will that be if they pass this door? There are really only two roads, aren't there? There's no third path. What will the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And tonight, every single individual in this audience tonight is on one of those two roads, heading for one of those two destinations, those two destinies. And Peter said, there is a prospect to encounter. There is a prospect to face. What shall the end be of individuals? that say no to Christ, that refuse to believe the gospel message. Friend, if you're not heading for heaven tonight, you're heading for hell. Oh, that you might turn to Christ and be saved by his matchless grace. Romans chapter one is really a chapter of power, isn't it? I'm sure you've heard questions of the skeptics. They're fairly common these days. As they look at the world scene, as they see the, the atrocities that are committed and the difficulties that people face, 
unusual circumstances that people encounter. They say, if there is a God, why does he allow those things? If there's a God, why doesn't he change things? Why doesn't he personally step in? And they begin to put a big question mark over the reality of God and his power. When we look at Romans chapter 1, we find that there is a God of power very much in view. And as you read Romans chapter 1, and you'll come down to verse 20, it speaks about the power of God as seen by what he has made, by the vast creation all around us. The God of creation, the God of mighty power, the very creator who spoke the word, let there be light, and there was light. The very God who put every star in its orbit, who upholds and sustains everything in perfect accord. My, we take it so much for granted, don't we? We just kind of assume that there'll be a, a sunset and a sunrise. We just kind of assume that the, the seasons will continue. We just kind of assume that the atmosphere that we breathe will remain constant. We're trying to grapple with some of the, the various environmental concerns, but we take so much for granted. But there is a God who has revealed his eternal power and Godhead by the things that he has made. I preached for many years with a wonderful evangelist by the name of George Campbell. George grew up in a home in which there was no gospel truth. His father made a choice. He says, no gospel for me, no Bible for me. And he moved from Vancouver, Canada, down to California. He was married and he and his wife had two sons, one of which was George. So George grew up with no knowledge of the Bible. And yet as a young man, one night down in the Caribbean, talking with a, an ungodly skipper on the boat, the skipper said to him, George, when we die, we die like the fish. It's all there is to it. There's nothing after death. And yet that night, and George told it many times as he preached, he said, I rolled up my sleeping bag on the deck. It was a lovely night. And he says, as I rolled my sleeping bag out on the deck in the darkness, I looked up. And he says, I saw the Milky Way. I saw the myriads of stars in the heavens. And he said, the thought just struck me. Skipper, you can believe what you want, but somebody, somebody made all of that. It just didn't happen, did it? Somebody made all of that. And as we look around at this vast world of ours, somebody did make all of that. There is a God of tremendous, mighty power. But there's another way that God has declared his power in Romans chapter 1. We see the power of God in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the dead, declared to be the Son of God with power. The world rolled a stone in front of that tomb. Kind hands had taken a body from that middle cross, tenderly wrapped it up and placed it in that new tomb. And the stone was rolled in front of that cavernous door. And the world said, that's the end of him. We'll never have to worry about a man called Jesus again. Ah, but that's not the end of the story. Upon that first day of the week, there was a mighty earthquake. An angel came back and rolled that same stone back again. And as men and women looked into that too, they made a tremendous discovery. It was empty. It was empty. The body was gone. And they began to understand and they began to discover firsthand that the man who died upon that cross three days earlier had come back to life with resurrection power. Tonight, we're not preaching a dead Savior. We're preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, declared to be the Son of God with power. But I want to notice tonight that the power of God is seen in this very audience. There is living power tonight, living proof of the power of God. 
I'm looking at a congregation, and I'm not going to say how many are saved here tonight, but there's a large number that are saved. And every single person who's saved, their lives have been changed by the grace of God. We would never, never be together like this apart from the grace of God. We would never have known one another apart from his mighty power in saving us and bringing us together to enjoy fellowship with himself and with one another. That's the power of God. That's the power of the gospel. It is able to change lives tonight. And so I want to notice what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Why do we need that power? We need the power of God because there are some things that we cannot do, an absolute impossibility. I know that we're convinced that we can do most everything else. (laughs) And uh, some of the things that are being done in this world are amazing. Some of the buildings that are being put together are astounding. Some of the medical science that is being pursued is really truly amazing, life-changing. But there are some things tonight that we are absolutely impossible to accomplish ourselves. You say, what is that? We cannot cleanse ourselves of our sins. And yet there are individuals and they are trying to wash away their sins. They are trying to do something to take some of the sins away. They are hoping that their good works will kind of give them a little bit of credit. But my dear friend tonight, there is absolutely nothing that any of us can do to remove one sin by ourselves. It is an impossibility for any of us to bridge the gap that our sin has brought between us and God. Isaiah chapter 59 tells us your sins, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. How do you expect to get to heaven? How do you expect to bridge that gap? How do you expect to merit favor with God? We cannot bridge that gap. My dear friend, by ourselves, there's not one person that is able to get to heaven by anything that we do. We need the salvation of God. And that's why this gospel message has been brought into view, because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. What is the power of this message? There is a power to convict in this message. A power to convict. Perhaps as you're sitting even here tonight, maybe there have been arrows of conviction that have hit your soul. Perhaps you understand what those men are saying. It's not good news for me. Maybe even as you look at this chart, you realize I'm on the broad road and the gospel message focuses for us with a power to bring conviction and awareness of our need. I remember when a good friend of mine came to his very first meeting. His children had been coming. His wife had been coming, but he had no interest in coming himself until one night driving past the little portable building. His wife said, let me off. I'm going to the gospel service. He kept driving. And she got a little bit more indignant, and, he, and, and she said, I told you, let me off. And he kept driving. And he says, I think we'll all go. And he turned around and came back in. And as we preached the gospel, you could just see the intensity and the attentiveness, listening, looking, watching. Going out of the meeting, I said, nice to see you. I hope you come back. He says, I will. And within about, I think, six weeks, he had trusted Christ. But he told me later on, he says, Marv, he said, I don't remember a thing that you men said. <laughs> He said, all I saw was this chart. And he said, I understood I was on this road. And he says, it bothered me. I was on the wrong road. And the convicting power of the Spirit of God through the gospel got a hold of that man. This is a message that has a power to bring conviction of sin, power to make us aware of our need, power to arouse us out of our sleep of death. 
There is a power to this message that brings conviction of sin. I wonder, have you ever been bothered by your sin? Have you ever perhaps laid in your bed at night and wondered, where will I be for the unending ages of eternity? Where am I going anyway? So thankful that God spoke to me with a power to convict. But you know, this message has a power to attract. It's a great message. And as people listen, I trust that the same will be true tonight. There is just an appeal and an attractiveness that stirs a person's heart. Ah, there is a God who is drawing men and women to himself. There is a message that is an attractive message. And tonight, friend, this is for you. God is interested in you. He is drawing men and women to himself. This message has a power to attract. This is a message that has power to save, to deliver, to bring forgiveness of sins. The apostles preached through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You could leave this meeting cleansed. You could leave this meeting justified. You could leave this meeting saved. You could leave this meeting heading for heaven. Oh, you say that's a little bit presumptuous, isn't it? No, not all. This is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Acts chapter 16 is the story of a jailer who burst into a cell and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And that night, a hard Roman jailer was saved by the grace of God, delivered from the wrath to come, saved from ever going to hell, saved from the bondage and the burden and the guilt and the judgment of sin. This is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. This is a message that has power to change lives. I've already mentioned that when a person gets saved, they don't become sinless. But oh, there's a change. There really is a change. We were sitting in a pancake house in Vancouver. There was a young man there, 18 years of age. He'd been listening well, popular at school, about to graduate, knew the gospel, was being prayed for night after night. And we just watched this man and we just wondered, which way is he going to go? Is he going to go with the world? Is he going to go with, with all the pleasures? Or is he going to come to terms with his need and trust Christ? And as that series of meetings came to an end, he said, uh, could I talk to you men? I said, sure. When's a good time? He says, well, I'm finished school at 2 o'clock on Friday. I said, well, we'll pick you up and find a quiet place to, to sit. The only place we could find was the IHOP restaurant, the International House of Pancakes. So on a Friday afternoon, we were sitting there in that restaurant. No, we weren't eating pancakes. We were just talking with a Bible on the table, talking about how to know his sins forgiven. We were reading a verse, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, the just one for the unjust ones, that he might bring us to God. And in simple terms, we explained what that meant. And we watched with amazement as he took that Bible and closed it and pushed it across the table. And he says, I'm saved, saved. I see it. And the next thing he said, took us by surprise, he said, could I pray? I said, sure, go ahead. Took off his baseball cap and the IHOP restaurant. I don't think it ever happened there before. For the first time in that man's life, he thanked the Lord Jesus for dying for him, just for him. Oh, it was sweet. And there's many in this audience tonight that we weren't saved at the IHOP restaurant, but oh, there was a moment when we understood that the message of the gospel was for, was for me, was for us. We took it in. We accepted the Savior and our lives and our destinies 
have been changed. Oh, my friend, tonight, this is what you need, and this is what you could have. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, to everyone that will accept the message. Yes, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it's all because of grace, my friend. Will you receive God's invitation to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your Savior and Lord? We trust that you will, and that you will experience the amazing grace of God in the gospel. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.